Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Geek Awakens. So last week, Kanye West announced that he is running for president and also has a, said that his White House organizational, organizational model will be based on uh, Wakanda from Black Panther. So my question for you guys, how do you think Wakanda would influence a Kanye West administration? Since I always start with Tabitha this week, let's start with Lydia. I don't know. I just want everything to stop being so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I got nothing, guys. Like, even the fact that he's running for president just... That's, no. Go away. I'm done with all the crap this year. <laughs> uh, Matt. Uh, I mean, is he just going to put an invisible shield around us and pretend like we're not here i mean the rest of the world is already doing that to us anyway so i guess it's not gonna make any difference definitely as long as i can be outside that shield when it goes down i'm totally fine with that honestly <laughs> like me and like 20 other people that i handpick like i'm fine with that um kanye yes kanye yes not a word <laughs> kanye west is not smart enough to pull off anything um let alone trying to base anything on wait wait, wait i'm gonna let you finish <laughs> that's the only good thing that man has ever done shut her up you're welcome i hate you go away forever <sighs> so <laughs> and i'm mitch and for me i think 100 what he means by this is that he's going to be surrounded by like hundreds of badass female bodyguards that's got to be it <laughs> I don't think that's it. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to start off tonight with uh, Matt, and we've got some uh, new news. New news? Is that a thing? Uh, with a sequel to Ready Player One. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I really feel like I should just apologize for this to begin with. Um, I, mean, I, think, I think after Ready Player One hit movie theaters we kind of all expected a movie sequel. Um, that idea has uh, spurred Ernest Klein to actually finish the sequel book to Ready Player One. Uh, so as of November 24th, we will have, wait for it, Ready Player Two. Such an imaginative title. Very rich. Um, right? But what else would you expect though? I don't know. I, I'm one of like five people in the world that is not in love with this book. Um, so I'm kind of intrigued about the sequel book, but at the same time, um, it says that it'll pick up where the adventures of Wade, Aeth, and Artemis left off now that they're in charge of Oasis. Um, and obviously will come with plenty of nerd references. Um, Klein basically admits that the kind of the pressure for a sequel movie is what spurred him to finish the second book. I don't know. Aside from that, we don't really know too much plot wise. Um, but we got a cover. It's, you know, it ready player two. Yeah, it's the same. Time. Yeah, it's the last time. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we won't have the kid's weird super long leg in the movie version though. Ernest Klein is a one trick pony because his sophomore novel Armada, thank you, came out and everybody was like, oh my god 
Ernest Klein wrote another book, and everyone thought it was going to be Ready Player Two slash Ready Player One Part Two, and it wasn't. It was something completely different, and it was awful. And I didn't hate Ready Player One. I didn't really enjoy it, but I didn't hate it. I don't think we need this at all, but we definitely don't need another movie because that movie was trash. Um, I, for, I forgot that you had feelings about that movie. That movie was hot garbage juice that I paid a lot of money and spent a lot of time watching. Um, See, and I don't like the book enough that I haven't even subjected myself to the movie version, knowing that it's different than the book and I didn't like the book. So bad. See, I, I actually, I own the book. I think I got it as part of like a loot crate or something years ago. Uh, at least I know for sure I didn't pay for the book. Um, I have it. I have, <laughs> still have yet to read it. Um, I enjoyed the movie for what it was. But at the same time, it's like, I kind of feel like, you know, like, why can't we let things be just one thing? You know, why does it have to be that every time something is somewhat popular, we have to have seven movies about it? You know, um, mm-hmm. even with all of its issues, you know, like Ready Player One, <laughs> Ready Player One, you know, was a complete story. It didn't really, as far as I remember, it didn't even really subject itself to any kind of like cliffhanger or anything like that. It was like it was done. And I feel like this is one of those things that should have just been left done. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I I can't tell. Is that Arnie agreeing with me or disagreeing with me? (laughs) It's Arnie saying that his, he felt we were trying to, he's been at what we call school all day. So he's really hyper right now and wants to play. (laughs) Mom and dad are home. Yeah, Yeah. basically. (laughs) And he's staring into Matt's soul. (laughs) Can't just go around honking your toys when we're recording. Well, I mean, according to what you said before, he would have to stare into Matt's soul because he couldn't stare into yours because according to you, you don't have one. That's true. <laughs> Just saying. However, Arnie is one of my horcruxes, so. Aw. So. Hopefully nobody tries to decapitate him with a sword. <gasps> oh. Wow. We haven't had a good, uh, you know, dead dog instance lately. Is Thanks, there Lydia. ever a good one? Why is me? Uh, moving on. Yes, please. <laughs> so, all right. So, last last week, I believe it was, um, there was an op-ed piece in Time Magazine. It was by uh, Elena Docterman, who was basically, she was suggesting that uh, we examine superheroes and their uh, role with the police. She was basically suggesting that uh, superheroes are police officers with cops and given the current political climate right now, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing or whatever? And I, I didn't read the entire article, but I did skim it and I've got some issues with it, but at the same time um, I have way more issues with what I'm about to talk about. So Fox news, (laughs) Um, invited none other than former Superman and current reserve police officer with the Pocatello, Idaho, uh, Idaho police force, uh, Dean Kane. And 
he basically, he said that it was, quote, insane to re-examine pop culture's uh, treatment of superheroes. Uh, he also went on to say that, quote, I promise you that Superman, I wouldn't be allowed, oh, I wouldn't today be allowed to say truth, justice, in the American way. And then the Fox News uh, journalist, I guess if you can call her that, uh, chimed in saying, oh my gosh, you're right, you're absolutely right. Here's the thing, though. Um, DC writer Tom King, he wrote a, uh, a Walmart-exclusive uh, story for uh, Superman Up in the Sky, uh, and that was released this year. And so he put on, went on to Twitter saying, Mother effer, I put that in a comic this year, SMH. <laughs> so, yes, Superman can still say truth, justice, in the American way, as well as he should. You know, you got to have all these people who just, you know, who basically like, and that's, and that's one argument that I always hate about comic books, are people like, oh, they need to take, uh, you know, politics out of comic books, blah, 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 blah. That's, that's what comic books have been. Like, since pretty much ever. Yeah. I mean, it's a... Reflection of society at large. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's no different than film or TV or even literature. I mean, it's... It, it is. It's a reflection of society. Mm -hmm. And it's a way for a lot of people as an escape and as a way to deal with, like, what's going on in the world today. So, no, you, you can't really take that out of comic books. Like, you can't take it out of film. You can't take it out of TV. You can't take it out of books. But, yeah. So, I just think it's just, like, it's just crazy, too. Like, you know, like, you're, you're criticizing this material without actually knowing anything about it. Well, that's the best way to criticize something. <laughs> yeah, that really is. Most people do <laughs> criticize things, too. Right? They don't know anything about it, and then they just run yeah. their mouth about it. Yeah. Man. Yeah, you're right. I think I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> start criticizing everything. And and now it's just you and me, Lydia. How's it going? Okay, good. <laughs> what the heck is happening? Matt's trying to get the secondary squeaky toy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's not working. Well, that was your first problem, to have a uh, secondary... Squeaky toy. Arnie! <laughs> He's going to be so <clears throat> mad. So. On this episode of The Geek Awakens, Arnie learns how to jump a bookshelf. <laughs> oh, man. And, like, they all, like, Matt and Tabitha just get pelted with books. Uh-huh. <sighs> They're screwed to the wall. Thank God. <laughs> so, Matt, uh, speaking of things that make us all angry... Uh, we were going to talk about this last week, but we didn't get a chance to because we all decided, hey, we're adults and we're either working or we're really tired from working. So, Matt, <laughs> let's talk about Princess Bride. So, I don't even remember how long ago this was, that there was rumor that they might think about trying to do a Princess Bride remake. And we all raged about it, that it should not happen in any way, shape, or form. Well, nobody listened to us. <laughs> because ever. right exactly uh because it's actually currently happening <clears throat> um it's being done on quibi it started on june 29th um 
The project is helmed by Juno director Jason Reitman. He has previously staged live readings of the script, and this remake was shot entirely at home by each cast member using their phones. The, the cast for this is absolutely insane. Um, it includes Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner, Common, Tiffany Haddish, Neil Patrick Harris, Chris Pine, Hugh Jackman, Jennifer Garner, Elijah Wood, John Hamm, um, Jack Black, Keegan-Michael Key, Patton Oswalt, Josh Gad, Andy Serkis, Diego Luna, Taika Waititi, uh, Zazie Beetz, and, and more. Um, the actors are trading off roles in the scenes, and they're each going to pay homage to the original in their own way during their part. Um, the one thing I am a little, I don't know, Rob Reiner was supposed to, um, as the director, was supposed to play the grandfather in this Quibi version, uh, and Fred Savage is reprising his role as the grandson, um, but RIP Rob Reiner, so I don't know how that's playing out, um, but the only good thing to come out of this, and literally the only good thing, um, is that Quibi has donated a million dollars in the name of the project um, to the Jose Andreas Charity World Central Kitchen, which provides meals to the to those who have been most affected by the coronavirus pandemic. That's the only good thing about this. Like, I don't care the star-studded cast. The Princess Bride is perfect and should never be touched. Like, it just leave it as it is. In, uh, just makes me so angry. Like, don't don't mess with this. And I have no desire to even go and look and see like how this has turned out or any of the episodes at all. Yeah. I mo I mostly agree with you. Uh, I would be perfectly fine living in a world where we don't see a remake of the princess bride, but that said, like I wouldn't be personally completely against the idea if done right, if done with care. Um, and and, you know, and even, like, with, with some of the cast, like, in a proper remake of The Princess Bride, I'd be okay with some of this cast. But, like, all of the this The way they're just, doing it, though? The way that they're doing it just It sounds... almost sounds satirical. Mm-hmm. They're... Sorry, I don't mean to talk over you. No, you're fine. But, yeah, that that's the thing that bugged me. Like, the $1 million donation thing, that's great. And I agree with you. Like, if they're going to do it properly, great. But, hey, everyone just record it on your phones and we'll just stick it together. What? Yeah. And, like, and I I don't know. Does this, I mean, do they account for any kind of scenery? Or is it, like, like how we are right now? Is, like, uh, Keegan-Michael Key going to have a bunch of books in his background? You know, is um, Tiffany Haddish going to be sitting on a couch? You know, like. Yeah. I'm not okay with this guy. I mean, this is not Andy Serkis reading Lord of the Rings. Like, this is so very different. This is not precious. Mm -mm. (laughs) Lydia Bell. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, especially if we're going to be doing this long distance, um, 
for much longer. Like we need to figure out a way like, or a time or a place for me to at least hand off the bell to you so that, you know, well, Hey, I'll come get it from you and then I'll drop it off when I drop off the wine. (laughs) (laughs) Just special delivery all around. There we go. Start wearing like a, like a UPS uniform, but like instead of the UPS logo, it's like the geek awakens logo. No, are you paying for that? No, absolutely (laughs) not. (laughs) I mean, I haven't touched any of my stimulus money yet, so I mean, I guess I probably could. Tell you what, you buy it, I'll wear it. <laughs> okay, I'll think about it. I'll put it into consideration. <laughs> All right. Can you get it on Amazon late at night? <laughs> I guess this would be a perfect time to plug our Patreon. If you want okay. to see this happen, <laughs> this is our Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash The podcast. <laughs> You give us the money to do it, and I will video it happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Tabitha, you shared something with us the other day. Uh, we talked about um, Hair Love, which was from uh, Lion Forge Animation, and there's now going to be like a sequel to it. There is. Uh, it's going to be called Young Love. It's an animated series based on. Hair Love that has been ordered at HBO through HBO Max. It is um, the first season is going to have 12 episodes and will be based on the characters that were introduced in Hair Love. Um, it's going to be executive produced by Monica A. Young, the producer of Hair, Hair Love, and um, along with Lion Forge Animations, David Stewart III and Carl Reed. Um, I'm just going to read you guys the official description that got released. Um, The all-new animated series Young Love expands on the family introduced in Hair Love. Filled with comedy and heart, Young Love is an honest look into the world of the young family, including millennial parents Stephen and Angela, their daughter Zuri, and her pet cat Rocky, as they juggle their careers, marriage, parenthood, social issues, and multi-generational dynamics, all while striving to make a better life for themselves. So this is just a continuation of that original story, which makes me super excited. I'm also I also get really excited when either producers or writers or whoever are like part of the actual book community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always brings just like that little something. So this is this is crazy exciting. I still haven't watched Hair Love, but I want to watch this too. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, you know I've said it before, but if you haven't seen Hair Love, I mean it's it's worth the nine minutes or whatever um however long the the short is um i know that it's on youtube um and and yeah like to see like a continuation of this uh and to see more of this family is is pretty cool i'm i'm kind of excited for this uh we have um like seven thousand things to review this week or maybe it's just three i may have rounded up That's how math works. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first one is uh, going to be on sale July 21st from Oni Press called uh, Scullion, A Dishwasher's Guide to uh, Mistaken Identity. It's, uh, it's by uh, Jared Green. And so basically it, it takes place in Timberwood Village. And there is going to be a marriage between uh, superstar warrior princess Rika and... Uh, I cannot read my own handwriting. What's the guy's name? Chap. Chap. Thank you. <laughs> I thought that was a Y for a second. I write really fast sometimes. So uh, between 
uh, between Warrior Princess Rika and Chap. Uh, however, uh, dishwasher. Oh no! Wait, who hold place? Who are you talking about? Chap is the guy she's gonna marry. Yes. That is who you're talking about. You're yes. not talking about the actual Scullion guy. No, his name is okay. Darvis. Yes, correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he gets kidnapped in a case of mistaken identity. Uh, these uh, trolls thinking that he's Re actually Rika, uh, but it's up to his new friend May to uh, to help rescue him. Uh, I loved this story. I am not typically a fan of like fantasy, medieval times, that kind of thing, and that's that's what this had a feeling of. But at the same time, it was it was full of heart and it had a lot of humor. That's really that that was right up my alley. Um, and I also, I really liked how they added a lot of contemporary elements to the classic fantasy setting, like the uh, the radio DJ or whatever that mm -hmm. was actually like speaking into a harp. <laughs> yeah. um, I also liked how Darlis, who along with the rest of Timberland Village, uh, or Timberwood Village, not Timberland Village, um, that's a lot of boots. Um, <laughs> oh. How they uh, basically idolize Rika. And it shows the readers that it's okay for males to look up to females, warriors or otherwise. Um, you know, like, I, I thought that it was kind of like a big contrast, you know, to, you know, kids who get, you know, boys who get made fun of for liking Wonder Woman or something like that, you know. Um, and it kind of shows like, hey, no, it's totally cool. Like, this person is a badass. So, yeah. Um, Tabitha, what did you think about it? I really liked this. You were talking about like the harp. I liked the harp that was like the earbuds. Uh -huh. <laughs> that was like the first thing I saw that kind of made me chuckle. No, I really liked this. I thought it was really cute. It was really nice. And like, it kind of reminded like the, it was probably the font, but something about this reminded me of like a Dr. Seuss book. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it was, but the whole time I was reading it, I was thinking about like if Dr. Seuss had written like a medieval book, whatever. Um, but no, I like this. I like the story. I I agree with you. Like I really enjoyed like the like the message that it was trying to send. Mm -hmm. It like the jumping around from spot to spot wasn't my favorite. Like without any like like warning. You're just like mm -hmm. one page you're following this person, and like the next page you're following a completely different person. And when I read a comic, and it's probably just me, I don't I don't look a whole lot like the art is in my peripheral vision. Like I'm looking at the words. Mm -hmm. So I was like, wait, who? And like, I kept going back. So that was like my only gripe with this. Matt, what did you think? I really enjoyed this. This was fun. It was light, um, but it did. It had a good message. I like the art style just because um, a lot of the medieval stuff and like fantasy tends to have a very similar color palette, like grays and greens and browns. And this was bright and colorful. Um, and I, and I really enjoyed that. Um, I also, I, I loved the, not necessarily the side story, if you will, but like kind of the, the, how it all came together because the trolls were trying to make a toll for the bridge like that. I don't know. <laughs> that made me laugh. I like that part. Um, but no, this was fun. This was good. And again, yeah, the, the message that this was saying was awesome without being overbearing. Yeah. Without beating you over the head with it. Mm -hmm. 
And Lydia, did you get a chance to flip through this one? I got through it a little bit. I okay. got to about page 30 and I actually kind of lost interest in it. Um, like you guys said, I love the message they were trying to get across, but something about it just, it was not keeping me engaged. Um, and typically I like when they take like medieval setting and they try to bring in like more modern elements, but for some reason that was almost taking me out of it for some reason with this one. So I think if I sat down with it again and paid more attention to it, I would probably like it more, but for some reason it just wasn't catching me like some of the other stuff that we've read. So, so yes, like I said, Scullion will be out uh, July 21st. Uh, out now from uh, Vault Comics, you can find it directly from the Vault Comics website, is Dark One. And it was created, and the story was by Brandon Sanderson. It was written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly with art by Nathan Gooder. Uh, so basically, this uh, Dark One follows Paul Tannison, who discovers that the visions he sees are uh, is actually a mysterious land called uh, Miranda's, where he is destined to become a fearsome destroyer. Uh, for me, I only I only got about halfway through this book, uh, but I honestly like I couldn't put it down, you know, until I had to. Um, but <laughs> I just I, I really like the idea, like the whole world building that we're getting so far, and also like I like the idea of like the meshing or whatever of like the quote-unquote real world of this uh story along with Mirandus. uh i just i personally i can't wait to finish it uh i feel like i feel like this is one of those books that if i even though i have read it already and i've done this with a couple other books that we've reviewed over the years like even though i've read it or at least have started to read it like if i were to see this at a bookstore i'd probably pick it up because i do like the i really like the art and again like it's weird because like i said with the other title like i'm not a big fantasy guy but these two titles have kind of like grabbed me um matt let's start with you on this one what do you think i love this essentially just from beginning to end um i mean this th this is this is my bread and butter this is my jam um i <laughs> there's a lot of food references there <laughs> I, just had dinner. I don't know I, i'm not hungry <laughs> um, this this is awesome. Um, I mean, it's another one of those things where you look at Brandon Sanderson and you go, "Where did you like? Where did this come from?" Um, like at, at, at the base of this story, it is like Robert Kirkman made a comment a couple of years ago um, in regards to Negan that every villain is the hero of their own story. Um, and, and that's essentially what this is. Like, this is the story behind Paul, like humanizing him, but he's becoming this, what the, what Miranda thinks is, is this horrible, awful bad guy. Um, and it, the way that it's done, the meshing of the worlds, like the, like earth and Miranda is, is awesome. Um, and again, this this does kind of fall into the typical fantasy color palette of the browns and reds and greens and grays. But at the same time, it's like there's some hints of blue and other colors. And I I don't know this this was fantastic. I loved how it's it's 200 pages and you get a full story, but you get left wanting more and like 
needing more, but still feeling like you got enough to satisfy on that first read through. Tell what about you? Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Like this was fantastic. I love a villain story. I love a villain story even more when it's told from the perspective of the people who think that villain is not a villain. And that was just so well done. Like this, like Brandon Sanderson is known for his world building and his ability to create something out of like to create these characters in this world. And like, you only had 200 pages and this was a graphic novel. Like it wasn't a book. Like you only had 200 pages and not a lot of words. I mean, there was a fair amount of dialogue, but like, there's no grandiose exposition, exposition like yeah. explaining the world, but you like, you felt you like you were in that world. Like that is so hard to do with a graphic novel for me. The only thing that I'm really salty about is that this was not done as an actual book. It was done as a graphic novel. <laughs> like, I want an actual book of this. Like I want, a like 900-page Brandon Sanderson tome <laughs> of this. Like I want a three-series tome of this world. Like this was this was spectacular. And if I see this somewhere, I'm definitely picking it up. And I have to know where this goes. So yeah. So like I said, this is out now. Uh, check it out. It's it's phenomenal. Uh, the last thing that we've got to review, which I hadn't, I didn't get a chance to give. Uh, to go through it. So this is all going to be on Matt and Tabitha uh, was money shot. Number six. Uh, we've talked about this uh, book a few times before. Uh, this is also out now. And this basically, this starts a new uh, story arc for our sex explorers. Is that what, is that no X X X explorers. <laughs> that is probably better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a completely different, like, R-rated book. <laughs> I mean, this one's already pretty close. <laughs> um, so, take it away, guys. What did you think of this? Um, the best part of this was the cat with the translator on. <laughs> There's a cat, and she's, like, talking, and she's basically freaking herself out and ramping herself up, having all this anxiety. And she's talking out loud, and the cat's just, like, quiet, sleeping, quiet, sleeping. And I'm like, that is a cat. Like, <laughs> like that is 100% a cat. Like, and then all of a sudden she's like done freaking out and the cat's like, feed me human. It's like, <laughs> I, I caught myself laughing out loud at this like a couple of times. And like, this is, it's dirty and it is definitely not for children, but it's so entertaining. And even though I couldn't tell you what happened in the previous ones, like I remembered enough to kind of know what was going on. Like just the way that these characters interact with like their banter is hysterical and I love it so much. This this is definitely one of those I guess you'd count as a guilty pleasure. Like it's 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 fun, it's raunchy. Um but I like in this one and I did I went back and reread a couple of the last ones just to like catch up and refresh myself um before reading this one. And this does it starts a new story arc. Um and this story arc does seem to be a little bit more serious and a little less tongue in cheek um, as far as like the sci-fi aspects of the like the planet that I think they're probably going to end up going to. Um, but again, like this is it, it. I don't know. I enjoy this. I think this is a fun, a fun series. 
So yeah, so that is out now from Vault Comics. Uh, guys, it's time for gut reaction. And we are going to start with Matt tonight with uh, a new Sandman trailer. Yes, so we had talked about this in the past. This was coming. Um, but Audible has produced a um, audiobook adaptation of Neil Gaiman's The Sandman. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, this is the first three graphic novels that are done for this particular iteration. Um, James McAvoy is voicing Morpheus, who is essentially the main character. The Sandman is another one of those graphic novels that's on my TBR that I just really need to sit down and read. Um, there's not a whole lot to see in this trailer because it's an audiobook trailer, but you get James McAvoy's voiceover. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited for this. Like I almost would be willing to go like get an audible subscription to listen to this um, because like kind of what they said in the article is that like, they've been trying to do this for a while, but the audiobook production levels have just risen in the last few years. Um, so they really feel like they can do a really, really good job with this. Um, I'm on board with this. I'm going to go thumbs up. Lydia. I am excited for this. I actually had an Audible account at one point that I'm going to have to like go back and reinstate just so I can listen to this. But yeah, thumbs up. Yeah, I'm giving this a thumbs up. Uh, audiobooks typically like don't really do it for me. Uh, maybe it's because if I'm listening to an audiobook, I'm all usually doing something else, whether it be driving or whatever. And so like, I kind of get more focused on the road, which is what you should be doing, but you know, I digress. I digress. Uh, but that said, like this does sound really interesting. Plus with James McAvoy, it's like, I have to at least try it out. Tabitha. I'm going to go thumb sideways. I love audiobooks. I spend like 90% of my day listening to an audiobook. And I love James McAvoy and like the little snippet in this trailer where you get to hear him talk. <laughs> it was just like, Meh. but I don't, no, and I've, I've seen them pop up before on, like, my feed for, like, on Hoopla or whatever on, you know, whatever subscription for audiobooks that have been graphic novels, and I've never done that before because I feel like you're going to, like, miss the point. Like, the point of Game and Sandman was the story, but it's also the story told with the art, and you're only getting 50% of it that way. And, like... I love a good graphic novel and I just said, I don't pay attention to the art, but like still like, <laughs> I like it in the background and now I'm not getting any of it. So thumbs like very cautiously sideways. Like I want to give this a thumbs up because I think it's great. And like, you know, for people who are like sight impaired, this is just going to be the best news of their lives. If they've been wanting to read Sandman, but I still feel like you're going to miss something. So uh, another thought Sorry. No, Another ahead. thought you could do is um, if you're not listening to it because you have no other re re way to look at it, is like play the audiobook along with reading it so that right. you have like the voice acting accompanied with the art. Yeah. 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 That'd be fun to do. Lady over here with the great ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tabitha, we've got a new Hocus Pocus game. Yes. So Ravensburger is releasing a Hocus Pocus board game on the 26th of July. 
Um, you and your friends, family, whatever, spin the game trying to stop the Sanderson sisters from completing their potion so they can take the souls of all those children. Uh, Sarah, Sarah, Mary, and Winifred are there casting spells, but you have Billy and Binks there to help you. Uh, you can, like, do, like, acid rain and, like, all the tricks from the movie. Um, the game allows for two to six players, ages eight and up, and takes about 30 minutes to play, and you can pre-order it right now on Amazon for $19.99. Um, the art on the cards, like, the character cards, is super cute, and, like, the box of the game looks like her book of spells and like the game board like the art on the game board is super like I want this like I love Hocus Pocus I watch it once a year but like we've been trying to play more board games recently and like this is something that I, I mean it's 1999 basically mm -hmm. can't get anything for 1999 in the board game world so I kind of want this just because I think it'd be fun to play in Halloween I'm Confused as to why they're releasing it in July, though. That kind of threw me off. Like, you would feel like this would be a Halloween release, but anyway, thumbs up. Matt. Um, yeah, as far as, like, you know, the age range and, like, it, it's, it's a, yeah, quick play. Um, it's all the things that would make this good for all ages. Um, so thumbs up. Lydia. Yeah, this looks awesome. Uh, just looking at, like, the pictures and stuff, it kind of gives me, like, a munchkin vibe. Mm -hmm. And like you said, $19.99 for any kind of board game is really reasonable. So, yeah, I am excited for this, so thumbs up. But I'm with you. Like, why release it in July? Right? Why not? Uh, even the end of September would have made more sense than that. Uh, I'm also going thumbs up. Um uh, I'm just going to throw this out here now. If you guys want to, we should totally get this game and, like, I don't know, Ooh. review it or something. I'm Keep down. Game night. Yeah. Yeah. That could be, like, a, uh, that could be like a new uh, show. We need to carve out, like, a second night a week to hang out. No? No. <laughs> <laughs> Tabitha can only deal with me so much. At least until I watch Hamilton. We'll get to that later, I'm sure. Um, and so, I mean, we can talk about it now, how you're the worst human ever. We, <laughs> let's, let's just save it for the Lin-Manuel Miranda news desk. <sighs> so, uh, Genius Brands International has announced a partnership with POW Entertainment uh, with more than 100 original properties of Stan Lee's post-Marvel creations. Uh, POW has licensed the rights to Genius with plans for comics, films, TV, online efforts, and licensing. Uh, Genius aims to develop about seven properties a year, including uh, names like Tomorrow Men, String Bean, Black Fury, and Virus. Uh, I'm giving this a definite thumbs up. Uh, I'm not too familiar with Stan Lee's post-Marvel creations that weren't uh, that sci-fi reality show, Who Wants to Be a Superhero? Uh, I still say that they need to bring that back. Agreed. Um, <laughs> but um, but this sounds awesome, and I think that uh, I think that there's going to be a definite audience for it. Uh, tap them. Yeah, more content from Stanley is always good content. So thumbs up. Matt. Yeah, I, this is one of those things. Like sometimes after creators have passed on, um, I feel like they put things out that like. You know, if a, a, an author dies, you know, and they're like, oh, we're going to finish this manuscript and put it out. Like, it's 
I feel like in cases like that, it's like a money grab by the estate. With Stanley, not. I don't. I don't ever feel like that's the case. Like it, you can always have more like Stanley content. So thumbs up, Lydia. Yeah, absolutely. I love the idea of bringing some of his unknown work into the light. So big thumbs up. Uh, Matt, let's talk about Sony. So me. Um, not necessarily super quiet um, but Sony has a new first party development team based in San Diego Um, they are recruiting talent they have uh, hired some people that have worked for Naughty Dog which has done uh, Last of Us Last of Us Part 2 Jack and Daxter Jack and Daxter Um, they are hiring and it looks like they are going to be working on a new uncharted game um there's really no details on it just the fact that they're kind of hiring um they you know have pulled some pretty high-end talent um from other studios naughty dog in particular so other than the fact that they're working on it they have already said that they're hoping to have something to show within the next 18 months Um, and presumably that whatever they develop will be for the PlayStation 5. Um, If if they're pulling Naughty Dog talent, um, and in... (laughs) (laughs) That's why we can't have nice things. Thumbs up, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Lydia. Yeah, I like that they're bringing that like studio in i like that they're basically given the opportunity for more jobs in this field uh totally makes sense that whatever they're creating would be for a playstation 5 because of when they're it's coming out so yeah thumbs up also if they need someone to like sing a, a theme song call me <laughs> i need money and i need a job <laughs> um yeah i'm also going thumbs up on this uh it I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're pulling talent, uh, if you're pulling talent, you know, from this brand that has already done like such fantastic things, I'm trying my best not to repeat what Matt did, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great, great idea all around. Tap them. <laughs> you guys all took such creative ways to get around that. I'm proud of all of you except Matt. Thumbs up. <laughs> uh, Tabitha, let's travel to space. Okay. So I got real upset when I read this article. Um, there's a new company called Space Perspective, uh, which is going to send you to space in a balloon, uh, sort of. It's called Spaceship Neptune, and it's actually scheduled to make its first test flights as early as next year. And basically what this is, is it's a capsule, which is basically the basket at the bottom of a hot air balloon. And it's going to take you about two hours, get you up to the stratosphere. You and a pilot and eight other passengers, you're going to have a bar and a bathroom and huge windows overlooking the earth. And then when you get back to earth, they're going to fish you out of the sea like they do, like, you know, a normal spacecraft. Um... It's actually not helium-filled. It's full of um, buoyant hydrogen because we have a helium shortage, so they're thinking this through. And they're going to need a new balloon for each trip. So each balloon that is used to pull this capsule is 
non-reusable. Like it's just waste. Whole different, whole different thing, whole different soapbox for me to stand on. But it will launch from Kennedy Space Center, head out over the Atlantic in the winter or the Gulf in the summer because of the way the wind streams work in Florida. And all it's going to cost you is $125,000. So you can go up two hours, sit in the stratosphere in a dangly sack. You <laughs> shouldn't have said that. <laughs> is, is the dangly sack also from a Naughty Dog or? Oh. <laughs> and then walk around, have a bar, go to the bathroom, and then tumble into the sea. Two hours up like an hour in space and two hours down for $125,000. All the thumbs down. The only even like, like minor cool thing about this is that they found a way around using helium and are going to use like hydrogen. But still like it's, it's, it's a private company. It's obviously not, it's using NASA's old base, but it's a private company $125,000 a person for a two-hour, just all the no, all of it. Non-reusable balloons, this is just going to kill the atmosphere, let's just try to stop, like, no, thumbs down, thumbs down. Matt. Oh, my nice face. <laughs> <laughs> had to get that in there. I had to. He's <laughs> so angry. I know. Um... I mean, I think it's kind of cool that you might be able to go do this, but this is that super high-end, like, bourgeoisie, like, vacation stuff that, like, three people are going to be able to afford. So, thumbs down. Lydia. Yeah, there's just a lot wrong with all of this. Like, first of all, who's going to ride a balloon to space? Second of all, if it's non-reusable, that's a problem. Third of all, if you're landing in the ocean, you damn well better be fishing that thing out because we already have, like, regular balloons landing in the ocean and killing animals. So, get the thing out. Fourth of all, that's way more money than any average person can do. So just, no, thumbs down. Yeah, there is literally zero percent of me that has any interest in doing this, even with the alcohol and the inevitable bathroom that I'm going to need to throw up uh, <laughs> because I'm so high up in the air. Uh, but even if I had $125,000 to spend, I feel like it would be a better um, use of that money to try 125,000 times to get like some random stuffed bear out of a claw machine. <laughs> also, Public service announcement. If you have $125,000 to give to this company, you could give your $125,000 to NASA because they need Truth. it. Mm. Truth. <laughs> or you can give it to me. I mean, I don't even need all $125,000, but I'll just like take some. the $25,000. <laughs> like, yeah. you could keep the hundred. Yeah, I Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not greedy. Just give me $5,000. I'd be cool with that. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd like more. Like, if I know you have $125,000 and you're only giving me five, I'm going to kind of, like, look at you a little funny. But, like, I'm not going to turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, San Diego Comic-Con has announced uh, some of the panels that they're having for San Diego Comic-Con at home, which will take place July 23rd through July 26th. Uh, there's going to be about 300 to 400 panels. So far, uh, 
the announcements have included uh, Archer, Bill and Ted, The Walking Dead, The Simpsons, and Solar Opposites. Uh, there may still be some like quote unquote live elements that we're used to seeing from San Diego Comic-Con, but all panels uh, are most likely going to be filmed ahead of time. And also there's not going to be any kind of Q and a aspect from any fans who are also watching at home. Uh, I'm giving this a thumbs sideways uh, as much as, as cool as this is and how, I mean, if we're being completely honest, like unless somehow we get discovered by some big giant thing, this is the closest we are ever going to get to San Diego Comic-Con. Um, but that said, like, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't think that sitting at home watching people talk with no audience has quite the same effect. And I realize that, you know, with 2020, I mean, you just have to take what you can get. Um, but I still think it would be kind of cool if they were to like allow some way for still like some kind of audience participation, but, uh, Tabitha. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I like that these places and these communities and these events are finding ways to work around like the bullshit time that we live in. But at the same time, like the, like, it's just like watching, like, it's like watching a YouTube video of it a day after it happens mm -hmm. that someone's posted. Like that's not the experience to me. That's not, if there's no participation and there's no way to interact, like you're just watching a video. Like, it's like these concerts that people keep putting on. They're like, well, you can go spend a hundred dollars to watch. I'm like, I'm not going to spend a hundred dollars to watch a Garth Brooks movie when I spend a hundred dollars to watch Garth Brooks in like in concert. Like it's the same thing. Like you're, you're giving me something, but you're not letting me have the experience of it. You're just letting me see it. And I don't like that. So thumbs down. Yeah. I essentially just have to agree that like so much of the panels at cons is the experience of being there and knowing that you heard something first or you heard it off the cuff of, you know, this writer, this artist, or, you know, this celebrity, like that's like the, the super fun part of it. And knowing that it's going to be filmed and distributed. I like that because, you know, like, like you said, Mitch, like, what are the chances we ever get to that? But at the same time, yeah, I'm yeah, thumb sideways. Lydia. Yeah, same. Like, part, part, part of a, a big part of going to a panel is, like you said, that interaction with stuff. And one of my favorite things is always, like, seeing what people come up with to ask the person and seeing their reaction to that just offhand so I think having it pre-recorded is going to lose a lot of that effect anyway but I do like that they're finding ways to still have somewhat of a convention even though 2020 is happening the way it is so thumb sideways uh, Matt let's talk about Fallout uh, so we I don't know where to go okay um <laughs> The creators of Westworld um, and the uh, dearth, I will, I guess you will, of uh, video game TV shows that are coming, um, we're adding another one to that list. Uh, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy 
are going to be developing a show at Amazon based on the Fallout video game franchise. Um, they don't really have much as far as like setting or like plot line, other than the fact that they are going to go for the quote unquote, harsh tone that made the Fallout series so iconic. Um, they do. They did say that it's going to be sprinkled with moments of iconic, ironic humor and B movie nuclear fantasies, which again is very much like, like the games. Um, no timeline because, well, 2020 has gone the way it has. Um, but they are looking to start working on um, getting this going. Um, I'm going to go thumb sideways. Um, Fallout is one of those series I've never played, but I've always kind of wanted to. Um, I know what their general post-apocalyptic world is about. Um, I We've got enough of that going on right now. Like, <laughs> I don't need any more. <laughs> Lydia. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about this, because I don't know a lot about Fallout either, but isn't part of it, like, almost open-world-like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, there was another video game series we talked about with this. Like, I don't see how you can take something like that and turn it into a cohesive series to watch. So that makes with the fact that, like, we already kind of almost have the apocalypse now. I don't need to sit and watch it on TV. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go thumbs down. Yeah. Um, I know very little about Fallout. Um, and... It's just this This doesn't excite me at all. Uh, I'm not saying that it's going to be bad, but it's just it's definitely not going to be for me. So for Fallout, uh, Sugar, we're going thumbs down. Tabitha. Oh, my God. <sighs> Bell, Lydia. Two bells, actually. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to request one, but... Two bells for me. <laughs> Um, we all know that our video game movies and TV shows tend to, uh, not turn out the way that we hope they will. I don't know much about the Fallout franchise either. I've watched it played a couple of times, but just, I don't, I don't trust anybody anymore with the video game movies and TV shows. <laughs> like, it was on, I, I don't trust anybody. Like, just stop it. So, thumbs down. So, uh... A while back, DC was kind of flirting with the idea of making Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy an item. Uh, they have moved away from that, and they've uh, substituted Poison Ivy with none other than Booster Gold. And we may have talked about this before, um, but with uh, Harley Quinn number 74, which came out, I believe, this week, uh, which is the penultimate issue of this series, uh, it contains a scene where Harley Quinn and Booster Cold do, uh, you know, make out a little bit. Um, I'm going thumbs down on this. Uh, I love Booster Gold. Uh, I have picked up issues of comics that I don't typically read because he is featured in an arc. I have not done so yet with Harley Quinn. Um, I want more Booster Gold in my life, but not like this. Tap them. Um, my problem is, is like, 
you know how we've like fan cast Booster Gold as Nathan Fillion? In my head, all I'm seeing is Nathan Fillion making out with Margot Robbie, and I'm <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like it at all. So giant thumbs down. <laughs> Matt, um, I anything to do with Harley Quinn is just no. <clears throat> um, but I'm going thumbs down on your behalf, Mitch, because I don't feel like this does Booster Gold justice. Lydia. I don't know like anything about Booster Gold, but I'm going to say that if they ever put Harley with anybody but Joker, then Poison Ivy makes a lot more sense. So thumbs down. And and that's the thing too, like something that uh, that this article has referenced, and like something that I've seen in the little bit of the Harley Quinn series that I've watched on DC Universe, like the TV show is totally different. Like Harley Quinn and Ivy are a thing now. And it's just like, that's kind of weird how one side of DC is like, yeah, this is totally cool. And then another side of DC is like, let's not do that. (laughs) So moving on, uh, Tabitha, last time I borrowed the baby Yoda news desk, I'm giving it back to you now. So we talked earlier about baby Yoda cereal coming out this year. And now we know that later this month, you will actually be able to get a two-pack of it for $5.98 exclusively at Sam's Club. Uh, but then in August, you'll get a single pack for the same price at Walmart, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, I don't need two boxes of Baby Yoda cereal, and I don't need to get a Sam's Club membership to get two boxes of <laughs> Yoda cereal. But it's Baby Yoda shaped marshmallows, and I need that. So I'm. It's it's a quandary for me. I just <laughs> you've you've got to know somebody who has a Sam's Club membership. I mean, I'm sure I do, but do I really want to be that person who's like, "Hi, can I use your Sam's Club membership to go buy two boxes of Baby Yoda cereal?" Like, no, 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 no. I'm embarrassing enough as a human. Like, I don't need that on my record. No, no, no. no. Like, here's here's what you do, like. You invite this friend to lunch, you know, hey, let's go to, you know, like Texas Roadhouse or some other place that's close to Sam's Club. And then like off the cuff reference during lunch how Sam's Club has this exclusive Baby Yoda cereal, how you really want to try it. And then your your friend will be like, oh, hey, I've got a Sam's Club membership. We're right here. You want to do it after lunch? And then you're like, oh, cool. I didn't even think of that. But you totally thought of it. <laughs> I just put way too much thought into this already. Guys. I also think you're overestimating my friends because, like, they'd be like, they would, they would 100 know what I was going for. Like this, I was like, <laughs> I don't have lunch with people, Mitch. I'm not a nice person. I don't have friends that I go hang out with on a regular basis. Like, it's just not a thing. I'm not like, oh my god, do you want to do lunch and then go to Sam's Club? Like, no. Who do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to help you out. I mean, I appreciate you, but like, thank- on the other hand, I think last time I checked, my parents had a Sam's Club membership. So if you really want it, like, I can make this happen. There you I go. mean, I'm not above sending Lydia's mom to Sam's Club to get this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, and you know, and if and if she's going there anyway for Tabitha, she may as well like get one for me as well. Oh, okay. Well, I'm getting a two pack. Can't we split it? I guess we could. You're right. Yeah, especially if you don't want both boxes. Yes, hell. I don't need two boxes of maybe. I mean, I don't know, but <laughs> and then you're saving some money by not buying it at Walmart just for one box. 
It's true, and I don't have to go to Walmart. Or I don't have to go anywhere. This is glorious, actually. You're welcome. (laughs) This is is going to end with Lydia's mom buying all of the Baby Yoda cereal that Sam's (laughs) Club has to offer. Yes. (laughs) It's going to be awkward when the... We're going to need some shelves for the basement. (laughs) (laughs) She starts like an underground, like, Baby Yoda, like... Bunk, the baby Yoda bunker. Yeah. <laughs> Deal it out of her house. <laughs> you have to know the password. <laughs> what would be the password for like a uh, black market baby Yoda merchandise ring? Hmm. Mandalorian? No, that's no. too easy. Oh, yeah, it's too on the yeah. nose. Chicky nuggets. <laughs> or the child, because absolutely no one calls Baby Yoda the child. I don't care how true. hard That's true. That's true. <laughs> you ask, no, you, you ask them, hey, how's your child doing? There you go. Yeah. Um, Tabitha, I am borrowing the Lin-Manuel Miranda news desk from you, and she's away now, so haha. I have, <laughs> you I have, can have it. You can borrow it. It's okay. Yeah. So as everybody knows, Disney Plus has released Hamilton last week. Which also, like, I saw this tweet completely unrelated. It was a tweet or something. But it was basically like, uh, so now that Disney Plus has Hamilton, where's my baby Hamilton? Like, baby Yoda. (laughs) That would be fantastic. I want it. (laughs) So, uh, but some people have started to criticize uh, Hamilton for its historical inaccuracies, inaccuracies uh, namely, namely A.Ham and other uh, founding fathers not being quite as anti-slavery as the show suggests. Uh, Lin-Manuel said on Twitter, quote, all the qu- criticisms are valid. Uh, the sheer tonnage and uh, complexity of, uh, of complexities and uh, failings of these people I couldn't get or wrestled with but cut. I took six years and fit as much as I could in a two two and a half hour musical. Uh, did my best. It's all fair game. So I think that it's awesome that he is acknowledging, hey, I'm not perfect. This show is not perfect. Uh, I took some liberties with this show. And I am okay with you criticizing it as you see fit. I mean, it's not like it's an Oliver Stone film where they – like the only historical accuracy in one of his films, like the main character did exist. I mean, <laughs> I, it, it's yeah. artistic license. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you can't expect in something like that for it to be, like, it's not a, it, I mean, it's a bi, it's a biographical piece, but it's not, it's not to meant to be completely 100% historically accurate. Like there's an entertainment aspect to it. I went to high school with people who will argue with you till you are blue in the face that Benjamin Franklin was a president because he's on money. I went to high school with people who will argue with you till you're blue in the face that Alexander Hamilton was a president because the town that I'm from is in a county that's named after Alexander Hamilton because my town was founded by bankers. These people didn't know <laughs> jack shit about alexander hamilton until they decided to sit down last week and watch hamilton and now they're taking it for fact because again these are people who think benjamin franklin was a president because he's on money 
who I have personally got into social media fights with because we had the same education and I don't know how you're this stupid. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it, you guys. I really don't. Like, we had the same grade school teacher. Like, what part were, was I there and you weren't? Like, I don't get it. But, like, they didn't know who he was. They're like, oh, President Hamilton's on a, on a TV show on Disney Plus now. Oh, God. No. No, he's not. Stop it. These are the same people who think that the only reason we fought the Civil War was slavery. So, like, it's people pulling pieces of things that they like and pieces of things that they don't like. And the internet is always going to complain about something and someone is always going to want to boycott something. Like, I want to boycott this stupid space balloon, but I'm, it's not going to do me any good. So, you know, whatever. But, like, it's going back to what we said earlier, like, people that know practically nothing about something will be the first ones to criticize it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, be, and they try to treat whatever little bit of knowledge they have as fact, and they will not listen to whatever anybody has to say that actually knows what happened. Right. And, I, like, it is. It is. It's artistic license. It's any, anything that is done, there's not going, I mean, you can't watch a hit like a Downton Abbey episode without looking for a water bottle. Like, like there's not anything that's perfectly historically accurate, whether fictional or not. It's just not possible. It's not a documentary. Like I, if if I'm, if I'm watching a documentary, I expect the information presented to be facts. When I'm watching something that's entertainment, like Hamilton, I expect factual basis, but not, Factual exactness. Right. right. Because you're not a moron. <laughs> so I guess my question is like, do these people also think that Eliza uh, dropped a beat for Philip during that rap? Oh, and- yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> They're super concerned about that comma, too. You know, that's <laughs> actually, that, that is historical fact. No, that is in a letter <laughs> that we actually have. Like we can we can reference that letter. So we know he put the top in the wrong spot, y'all. <laughs> so but by the same notion, like if you're talking about in inaccurate things in the show, like they don't mention the other like six children that they have. They don't right. mention the fact that Peggy dies, she just disappears. Like there's so much that you could nitpick about it because it's not meant to be entirely accurate. Right. right. To be fair, I was concerned where Peggy went. I don't know. She Peggy just... became, I mean, Peggy had to go away so she could become uh, Mariah Reynolds. Thank you. I always want to call her Maria Snyder for some reason, and that's an author, and I have no idea why I want to do that. <laughs> oh, man. It still bugs me, though, in uh, Take a Break, where Angelica comes and, like, you know, like, there's that Angelica, Eliza, and, like, there's this and Peggy-sized bre- you know, break. I'm like, <laughs> I will yell out, and Peggy. <laughs> Which, yeah, so... Except she was dead by then, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but still. Well, Angelica was married when, before Alexander and Eliza got married. Like, she had already been married. Like, it's not... Like, there's artistic license taken with history. I don't know what to tell people. And plus, I guess we, we will get this out here. I haven't watched it yet. Tabitha, say whatever you want to me. I just don't understand how you think you can send us Hamilton memes 
the weekend that Hamilton is released and get everybody like LOLing at you and you haven't even watched it yet. <laughs> that's really what I'm salty about. I mean, no, I've, I've, there's no. Mm. I've, I've, I've listened to the soundtrack countless times. I saw it in Chicago. It's not like, it's not like I a know. Harry, it's not like a Harry Potter situation where I reference Harry Potter and haven't completed Harry Potter. I have completed Hamilton. I have not. But on mm. Hamilton weekend, it was implied by your being like, <laughs> like my Hamilton memes, like <laughs> that you had watched. Whatever. I'm like, done talking to you. If you don't watch it tomorrow, I'm going to come to your house and murder you. See, I, I would even give you the benefit of the doubt because I didn't get to watch it until Monday night, but that's because I was busy and I was out of town, but I still watched it like, Relatively the same weekend. It's been almost a week, dude. And I have worked every day since it's re been released. It's a every shame you work 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. Like I, <laughs> like I told you yesterday via text when she who shall not be named ratted me out. Um, I don't want to watch it when I'm tired and fall asleep during it. So watch it when you wake up in the morning. Are you tired then? Usually, yes. Drink some... Oh, my God. I'm done with you. I'm done talking to you about this. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Let's, <laughs> let's get away from this. We've got a couple more stories. Matt, let's talk about Transformers. Uh, so Hasbro has revealed a limited edition uh, Back to the Future crossover Transformers character uh, called Gigawatt. It is a time-traveling robot in disguise. Um, it's done to celebrate the 35th anniversary um, since the release of the Back to the Future, original Back to the Future movie. Um, Gigawatt has a blaster and whip antenna accessories, includes quote-unquote Doc Brown-style goggles, flux capacitor chest piece, and time circuits. Um, it's available, well, it was available on Walmart.com um, starting July 3rd. That is a initial limited run of 1,985 pieces, mm. which I absolutely love that. Um, it was only $20, but it's already sold out, which I'm kind of sad about because I definitely would have bought this. Um, but um, Hasbro said that this is kind of just a beginning. They are going to be doing more um, waves of these types of figures as well as a four-part companion comic series from IDW, which is going to show up starting in October. I don't know. I'm just sad that I missed this and it sold out. But It's, it's kind of cool. Um, and, and I appreciate where they were going with only having like 1,985 piece, like pieces or whatever. But man, they really should have made more. Yeah. Maybe we'll get another run of 1,985. I doubt it. <laughs> so, Tabitha, um, have you been pining for Chris Pine lately? I hate you for that pun. Um, <laughs> really isn't even Only that one? Right, I hate him for all his puns. Um, this isn't really a story so much as it's just kind of an observation. So, Chris Pine is steady trying to replace Chris Evans. It's my favorite Chris. Um, Chris Pine was caught, not caught, but like paparazzi caught him coming out of uh, Skylight Books, which is an indie bookstore in LA, with a bag of books. Not like a little bag, but like a 
a brown paper bag that he's having to carry like a child because it's so heavy and he's worried they're going to rip out the bottom. Um, in the process of this paparazzi catching this photo, Chris Pine is then mocking her. Like, mm -hmm. he's mocking her taking a picture while holding this bag of books. So he's being snarky. And he's carrying a giant bag of books, and he's wearing a mask in public because he's the perfect human. And I, I just, it makes my heart smile. Like, you went to an indie bookstore, you're protecting the, like, people around you, and you're being a sarcastic ass bag. Like, I love all these things. <laughs> Mostly, I need to know what's in that bag, though. I need to know what he bought. Because what if he bought, like, trash literature? Then I'm just going to be real mad. What if he Unless bought, like, a Oh, no. What if he was buying the trash to prevent other people from buying it? No. I want him to, I want him to, I want to open that bag to, like, all my favorite books and be like, oh, it's fine, let's go talk about it. <laughs> Whereas if you open it and it's just, like, nothing but Twilight looks, then we're going to have issues. Uh, yeah, that's, like, my worst nightmare. Yeah. Twilight, <laughs> Danielle Steele or Fifty Shades. Oh God, don't even. His eyebrows are gonna widen in surprise because he said your eyebrows were. <laughs> <laughs> I will never forgive that book for that moment, and I will never forgive that woman for how much money she made off of widening eyebrows. <laughs> it makes me so mad. Uh, she held a breath she didn't know. She let go of a breath she didn't know she was holding. <sighs> every book ever in the history of time. <laughs> so the last story that we have tonight, and I am going to share my screen with you guys so that you can see this. Um, so there is, so there's this person uh, called Adam, the creator who made this uh, parody of American girl uh, named Karen She's an independent thinker who refuses to wear a mask in public places. She's an older American girl doll, so she's like an American woman, uh, wearing a like purplish tracksuit and mm -hmm. clearly without wearing a mask. And she's also toting a handgun. Here's the thing. Um, American girl is threatening legal action against the creator. Of course, this blew up on Twitter. And this one person... Uh, uh, why I pull it up uh, at Donna P zero four two three says at American underscore girl. I saw a post of an American girl doll, Karen who refuses to wear a mask and carries a gun is as disgusting. Is this what we want to teach our children? So American girl responded to that says Donna, we are equally disgusted with this post. Please be assured we are taking the appropriate steps to ensure this is removed. So, of course, the internet had a field day with it. Um, and basically, they were accusing American Girl of being a Karen themselves because of, because of this. And uh, even going so far as to, like, say, Are, do, do you want to speak to the manager? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. I mean, and personally, like, I get it. Like, I mean, aside from them, you know, using what I believe is actually like the American Girl logo, like, I think it's, I think it's a great parody. I think it's, you know, it's, it's funny. It's, it's accurate for 2020. Um, 
I think that American Girl, again, aside from them using the logo, which is probably not cool, I think that American Girl needs to, you know, lay off just a bit. Yeah, I, I mean, if you want to parody the logo a little bit and do this, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I think the, the only real issue is, is kind of the logo. But I do have mm-hmm. to ask one question. Does Karen live in St. Louis? That's why she has the gun. <laughs> oh man speaking of karens did you see the uh the new law in san francisco that's being proposed that's uh-huh. the, the, karen it's, the karen act the karen act yeah and i i can't remember exactly what karen stands for but it's basically to prevent people from calling 911 for stupid reasons like Hey. Caution against racially exploitive non-emergencies. Yes. Basically so people- errands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, or once you're using Karen for good. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the one and only time. Uh, even- Can you imagine what it's like to be actually named Karen right now? <laughs> oh my god. I feel so bad for all those people. Right? You... You you know that Mitch is slang for a male Karen. No, like Mitch Mitch is slang he's for a, Mitch, a he's a lover, he's I a know. child. Yeah. <laughs> You're not funny. I think she is. <laughs> Everyone yeah. disagrees. So I understand how it feels to be named something that is not fun in real life. Although I'm sure Karens are getting it way worse than I am right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go, go on Reddit and yes, you'll find out how true that statement actually is. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> My favorite are the people and like, I can't tell if these people are being legitimate or not, but like these people who are like, um, you know, Karen is calling people Karen is worse than using the N word. It's like, but you're, no, you're saying, not. you're saying Karen, but you're not saying the other word. But you want to say that they're on the same level, like mm, I beg to differ. I uh, give up. <laughs> it took well, you this long. It took me like two months ago to give up. Yeah, I gave up a long time ago. I just give up more each day. <laughs> that's that's fair. I will give you that one. So I guess if we're all giving up, then this will be a good time to end this episode. So. <laughs> So that'll do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with what's happening throughout the week. And be sure to let us know about any cool things we're missing out on. Any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time. Everybody, say bye. 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 Bye.